0: Welcome to the Love and Marriage Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums that offer insights on dating and marriage. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. President Wilkinson, members of the faculty, may i say my fellow students i'm honored and grateful to have this opportunity to meet and worship with you in your devotional service this brigham young university aside from having no peer where educational matters are concerned is for all practical purposes the best and most excellent place, that students could come and study and learn—all this because of the spiritual atmosphere that pervades and because of the perspective that is had here of what's important and eternal in life. Now, if I may properly be guided by the Spirit— I'd like to take as a text these words. The most important single thing that any Latter-day Saint ever does in this world is to marry the right person in the right place by the right authority. And when we single out superlatives... We do it on the basis of the perspective that we have of life, what we consider to be of eternal importance. If we were viewing things from a mortal or a finite perspective, just considering what we know of life between birth and death. We might come up with the conclusion that this or that or some other thing was vital and imperative to our life and existence. But if we can take what I choose to call the Lord's eternal perspective of things, then we can have an entirely different view of what is vital, what is eternal, of what it is that we should desire above all other things. And because of the revealed religion that we have received in our day, we have a perspective, a knowledge that involves where we came from, why we are here, and where we may go in eternity. Viewing things from this eternal perspective, we can single out, I think, the most important things in life. Now, you and I are aware that God, our Eternal Father, is an exalted, glorified, perfected being, a personage of tabernacle, literally our Father which art in heaven. We are his spirit offspring. We dwelt with him in a pre-earth life, We were acquainted with him. We were members of his eternal family. As his spirit children, we recognized the dominion and exaltation and glory and perfection that attended him. And I'm sure we had a desire to progress and advance and become as he was. Well, he ordained and created and arranged the system whereby we might do this. The Prophet Joseph Smith, speaking on this subject, said, God himself, finding he was in the midst of spirits and glory, ordained laws whereby they might progress and become like him. These laws are called the plan of salvation. We refer to them as the gospel of Jesus Christ. In process of time pursuant to the terms and provisions of this plan and system, this earth was created and peopled. It was made as a habitation, a place where we could come as the members of God's family and receive bodies which we would get back again in the resurrection and also undergo the probationary experiences of mortality. Well, this kind of a perspective gives us a God-centered view of things. It gives us a gospel-centered view. It gives us a perspective and a guideline that other people in the world don't have. We are in the habit of talking in generalities and saying, uh, as was said when this plan was announced in the Councils of Eternity, we will prove them herewith and see if they will do all things whatsoever the Lord their God shall command them. But what I would like to do is to single out the specifics and get down to the one detail that's paramount above all others, not to say in general terms that we want to pass the experiences successfully of a mortal probation, but to single out of all that there is that which is preeminent and paramount in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I suggest to you that this is the marriage system. Now, our hope and aim and goal and desire is to fulfill this promise that we may become like him, become like our Father. If we do this, we have glory and honor and dignity, power and might as he has. And in addition to that, we exist and dwell in the family unit, having that association being husband and wife and mother and daughter and father and son. Well, the gospel plan that we have received is designed to prepare us to become like him. It's a schooling process. And uh, as we go through this schooling system, we come to a point of advancement and progression where we qualify to take the particular course the one singled out from all other courses of education in spiritual realms, the course that will enable us to gain exaltation and become like our Father. And the name of that course is Celestial Marriage. Celestial Marriage is the gate that puts people on the path leading to exaltation and glory and a continuation of the family unit in eternity. Now I've said this much, speaking by way of doctrine, by way of philosophy and principle, in order to turn your minds to what's important here and now as you live in the courting age and have the privilege of the fraternalism and felicity and association and all the rest that goes with attendance at this great university. Now I quote these words from the revelation that the Lord gave, which is entitled The Law of the Church. He said, Thou shalt love thy wife with all thy heart, and shalt cleave unto her and none else, and based on them... I suggest that the test which governs, which controls, which regulates, which indicates to us the course that we should pursue where marriage is concerned, is this matter of how much we love our husbands and our wives. And uh, this is an abstract thing in a sense. In order to make it somewhat specific and concrete, I suggest to you that the measuring rod, the standard by which it may be determined, how much love is involved in a family unit, is time. T-I-M-E. How long you'd like the marriage union to last. Do you want it to be a worldly or a civil marriage that goes until death us do part? Or would you like it to be an association that endures in time and in eternity? Let me suppose for you this situation. You're a young woman. You're attending the Brigham Young University. You're enjoying the social and cultural and all the advantages that accrue to such people. A young man is pursuing you. You have a good idea what his aim and idea eventually is. And finally he comes to the point where he says, Mary, I love you, I'd like you to be my wife, I love you so much that I'd like you to be my wife for 17 days. (laughs) That's almost three weeks. Well, Mary turns around and says, I think I better find some other companions. I picked up the Deseret News and saw some years back on the front page the picture of a lovely appearing young woman. She'd been killed in an automobile accident, a prominent family, hence the front page location for the story. I read the account. It said she had been working in Salt Lake City, That she'd gone to New York City and met her fiancé who was working there. They'd been married and they were on a honeymoon, traveling on a turnpike in Pennsylvania. There was an automobile accident. He was in the hospital and her life was taken. Now nobody pretends that when he said, Mary, will you marry me, he added for 17 days. But no one reads the future. And the marriage that was performed in New York, where there are no temples, was until death us do part. And so for all practical purposes, indeed though not in word, he had said, will you marry me for 17 days? The marriage was over. They had 17 days worth of love. Now someone says to you, "Mary." Will you marry me and divorce me today? That's unthinkable, of course. But for all, again, practical purposes in a realistic view of things, this is what happens when a civil marriage is performed. That is to say, inherent in, implicit in, as part of the marriage ceremony, there is a divorce decree. Uh, We have a three-month interlocutory period in Utah where someone awaits a final divorce decree. There's this waiting period as a matter of public policy. If someone gets a divorce, uh, he knows it will not be final for three months. Well, somebody gets married by a civil ceremony, Uh, that marriage is going to be final at some unspecified time at the time when, at least the time, hopefully, when death intervenes, if not before. But what we'd like to have is eternal family units. And this particular period of time, when you go through the higher realms of education, is normally the period when you choose a husband or a wife and hence one of the great advantages of coming where there are other people with like ideals, modest and lovely and wholesome young women, the upright and outstanding young men of the Church. Now, we all know that when you go about choosing a husband and a wife, you're interested in the social and the cultural and the educational and the economic and all the other categories of life that a person has lived. But above all this, paramount to everything else, what you're interested in is the spiritual stature, so to speak, of the person that you'd like for an eternal companion. You'd like to get someone who in due course will be qualified and ready and worthy to take you to the temple of God to the one place where this type of marriage can be performed. Someone who will love you more than he loves a cigarette, which if he took, he could not get a temple recommend. Someone who will love you more than a cocktail, which if he takes, he cannot be worthy to go to the temple and have these blessings. I think. There is no concept known to the human mind as edifying and as noble and as glorious as the concept that the family unit continues. I don't think it makes any difference what church a person belongs to, what philosophy of life he has, what view of eternity possesses his soul and thinking. In his sober and reflective moments, the thing that he would rather have than anything else of enduring nature is the continued association of the members of his family. This is the heart and the center of revealed religion, and everything that we have in the Church, bar nothing, is preparatory to celestial marriage. It's to qualify and train and get people in a frame of mind where they will desire and will, in fact, enter into that order. And then everything that we have in the church from the day that a person enters into this system of marriage until he passes on into eternity, everything that we have looks back to that system of marriage and is designed to enable and help us to keep the covenant that we make in connection with it so that all the terms and conditions will be everlastingly in force. Now, President Wilkinson indicated to you that my father recently passed away, that my mother is here with us today. This, to my mind, is a perfect illustration of what is involved. He has been transferred to another sphere of activity. He continues as a living, intelligent, sentient being on the Lord's errand working for God's kingdom and for the principles of righteousness. And she continues in this life temporarily separated from him but the union which they have entered is eternal in nature. And after a short period of separation, they'll be united again together as one because in that union the laws were obeyed and the requirements met that make a husband and a wife eternal companions. Celestial Marriage this is the glorious concept of the gospel. And having that kind of a perspective, I come back to the text statement that I quoted and I repeat it with emphasis. The most important thing that any Latter day Saint ever does in this world is to marry the right person in the right place by the right authority. Such opens the door to the fullness of all good things in this life and eternal exaltation in the life to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Love and Marriage Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU speeches compilations on overcoming adversity. By study and by faith, come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.